Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you.
If you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 13, 15, Hebrews 13, 15. Today we're finishing up our sermon series on worship. I know like before Christmas it's supposed to be Advent, but um, there's no wrong time to preach about worship and to teach about that. Uh, remember in two weeks ago in week one, we, we looked at how everyone worships someone or something. We were created to be beings that worship. And so no pastor has to teach anybody how to worship. We just do it naturally. The question is, though, who or what are we worshiping? we got to be careful with that. So the important thing when week one was who's on the throne, right? Week two, we looked at worship as a verb. It's not just a word that describes music, right? It's a verb. And one of the best ways to understand it is that worship is really about bowing down. Physically, yes. More importantly, though, bowing down in our hearts. Bowing down our will to his will. If you, if you catch nothing else about worship, just remember that. Worship is bowing down, all right? And then today we want to fish up in that. I just want to remind you, because we kind of talked about this before, but all worship involves sacrifice. There is something to be placed on the altar in worship. And a simple definition uh, might be worship is your gift to God. Worship is your gift to God. We're getting ready to celebrate next week the greatest gift ever given, right? My parents used to put a sign out. Uh, we lived in a trailer park. I think they used to put that sign out in the trailer park. It was a wooden sign that just talked about Jesus is the reason for the season, right? And, and uh, uh, he's given the greatest gift, right? Um, God's gift to us, I don't know about you, but is unconceivable to me when you really think about it, when you really get it, right? Today, I want us to see that worship is our way to respond to the amazing gifts, plural, that he's given to us, right? Uh, I'm wondering if you are like me and you have that person that's hard to buy a gift for in your life, right? When my dad was alive, and forget it. What, what do you get that guy? He had everything. Um, so what do you get to him, give to him, you know? And I used to struggle trying to think of something that's going to uh, mean something to him, something that it's going to be something that he needs. Um, well, what do you give the God of the universe, right? What do you give the, the God who's created everything, right? We can, we can sing a song, uh, or we do sing a song that talks about that, right? What, what do I bring a gift for the king? And uh, I think it says, all I have is a hallelujah. That's about the only thing worthy, right? What do you bring and lay at the altar in worship? That's what I want us to think about today. That's what I want us to wrestle with, right? What gift will we bring to God? What gift will be honoring to him? Here's the thing. Do we even think about that? Right? How often do I just go about my days and months and not even give that a thought about what am I bringing the king in my worship? How many times is it just about lip service? And I don't really give it much thought. I don't know about you. Um, when I made the decision that I was going to propose to Adivy, I knew I had to bring a gift, right, guys? You got to bring a ring. And I gave it a lot of thought. What, what type of diamond, what cut will she appreciate, will she like, what color gold, you know, um, how big can I get it, you know, how big does it, uh, do, I, do I want it to be, and, and I thought about that a lot. Um, do I get the things that go around it, or do I let her pick that out? Those are all types of things that I was thinking about. Um, that question, right? Uh, that's important. Those things are important, right? But what about the same line of thinking when it comes to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords? You know, sometimes, sometimes when I think about how we approach God, it's like, what's the least I can do and still be okay with him? What's the least I can give, right, and still be okay with him? But shouldn't it be, what's the most I can give? 
what's, what's the best way that I can show him just how much I appreciate him and love him, right? Can, can we flip our thinking? Can we start thinking about that when it comes to worship? Um, like I said, I don't want to go into that analogy too much about, about amounts or anything like that, but how do we approach our gift that we lay down at the altar to the king of kings? Um, we need to get out of the mindset, what do I have to give in order to stay in God's good graces, you know? Do I have to be a tither? You know, do I have to give that? Uh, that should never enter into the thought process. It should be, what's, what's the most I can give that shows him he's worthy, right? Uh, I don't want to just push play when it comes to worship. I don't want to just have that mindset. I don't want to just show up at church and think I'm ready to worship. I want us to be thinking, I want us to be planning, like, what am I going to bring today, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? I want us to be thinking about that, not just on Sundays when we come to church, but every day that we get up. What am I going to bring the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, today? How am I going to live in worship to him, right? And a lot of times that involves an attitude. A lot of times. What am I going to bring the one who laid down his life for me? What am I going to bring the one who flipped my life upside down? Uh, worship needs to be a gift laid down on the altar. And what can I sacrifice that, to make that special, right? Hebrews 13, 15 through 16, let's get into the Bible. It says this, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I want to draw your attention to this word sacrifice two times in this text, right? Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. I think, yeah, uh, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. All worship involves sacrifice. All of it, right? We all worship something, right? And for whatever that is, we will sacrifice for it. We will gladly sacrifice for it. We offer our money. We offer our time. We offer our efforts. We lay those things on the altar of whatever it is that we're worshiping. There is no worship without an offering. And you can tell by that offering if it's something that you're truly worshiping because there'll be a sacrifice there. Do you remember the story of Cain and Abel? Do you remember their offerings that they brought? Genesis 4, 3 through 4, it says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Do you see the difference there? It's not very clear. It's not, it doesn't just jump out at you, but Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil, but Abel brought the fat portions. From where? From the firstborn, right? Cain brought some of the fruits, but Abel brought the best. That's the fat portion, the best from the firstborn, right? One gift doesn't take any sacrifice. One gift is just, it just brings some of it. The other gift, though, brings the best brings the first. It takes faith to give that kind of offering. There's a sacrifice there. Notice God's response to it at the end of verse 4. Listen, both are bringing offerings. Both are bringing offerings to God. We're all bringing an offering to God, aren't we? But some of those offerings take sacrifice, and others don't. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering... He did not look with favor. Hebrews 11.4 tells us this. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. What are you bringing to the altar? What are you bringing? Does it take any faith to give what you give? 
Does it take any sacrifice? Or are you just giving out of your excess? Whatever that is. Right? Do we think God is not going to notice the quality of our gifts? Do we really think the God of the universe who knows everything is not going to notice that we're just phoning it in when it comes to worship? Right? Do you think God is not going to notice how we sacrifice about this other thing that we are truly worshiping, this other thing that we love, that everything that we're making the center of our lives, and then we're just giving him some leftovers and think he's going to be okay with that? Do we think that he's going to be okay with that when he sent his son to die for us? Do you think he's going to be like, wow? Ah, oh, what are you bringing What are we bringing and laying down at the altar? What was the first offering? What was the first sacrifice that we come to in the Bible when we're reading it? It was right after Adam and Eve rejected God. Do you remember that, right? God made clothing from an animal skin. God sacrificed an animal to cover the sin, our sin, right? And that just points to the future. That is an overshadowing of the sacrifice that would come in Jesus Christ to cover over our sins once and for all, right? Our worship, our gift is in response to that sacrifice. That has to be where we give from. That has to be that, right? We, we are giving in response to his grace. I've just been thinking in my life, what, what in the world am I bringing that's worthy of that? Like, that's been on my heart lately. What am I praying that's worthy of that? I've been laxed in my giving. And that can't be. We need to wake up today, right? Going back to Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore. When you see that word, therefore, you have to go back and see what it's there for. So every time you come to that word, therefore, go back. And see what it's there for. All right? And we go back to verse 11. It says this. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. The writer of Hebrews is contrasting the old sacrificial system, right, with the work of Jesus on the cross. He's trying to get into their minds to help them see that what they've been doing year after year, right, Decade after decade, century after century is now fully completed in what Jesus did on the cross for all time, right? Hebrews 13, 15. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. So in this system, when the animal was killed, right, the blood goes behind the veil. It's sprinkled on the most holy of holies. It's sprinkled on the mercy seat. It's sprinkled on, on the Ark of the Covenant. But the, the body of the animal is thrown outside the city gates into the dump, this trash heap where things are burned, right? Blood of the, on the holy of holies, carcass outside. Verse 12, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gates to make the people holy through his own blood. You remember him carrying the cross? Outside the city gates, right? He carries that beyond the walls of Jerusalem to this trash dump where he would be crucified. He did that to make us holy Through his blood, that's accomplished, right? Can we just stop and think about that for a minute? What should our response to that be? Verse 13 clues us in. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. In other words, we need to go to the trash dump. What's the trash dump? It's life sometimes, right? It's our workplaces sometimes. Sometimes our workplaces are like trash dumps. It's the place of a diagnosis. It's where it's ugly and brutal and cruel and painful and hard to look at, right? We're going to go to those places and bear witness to what he's done. 
We're going to be in those places pointing to him with our lives, with our attitudes, with our words that we speak, right? How, how do we appreciate what's happened in that place? How do we appreciate it with all the stench, right? With all the carcasses and the mess laying around. We appreciate it because of what he did in that place. For those people in those places, right? That's how we want to respond. By laying everything down at the altar and giving him praise even in the, the dump. Why? So people see him and not us. So we point to him because of what he did for us, because of what he's done for them, right? It took all of that to make us holy. We live in response to that. We worship him in response to that. We sacrifice what we want to do, how we want to respond to people. Pay him back, right? When we're in our dump, we respond and lay that down, bow down, and we worship him and we respond how he's called us to respond with grace and truth. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city. But we are looking for the city that is to come. For so many Christians, this life is everything to us. This is our kingdom. This is what it's all about. But this is not our home. This is not our city, right? We look ahead to the city that is coming. And so that's why we're not offended when this place is a trash dump and we're involved in that. Because we have the hope of what's to come. We're going to go out in the death, bearing the disgrace he bore because this isn't it. There's something to come, right? We're able to go into the garbage and not respond as the world responds and instead respond as he does because we're not focused on making this life everything. We're looking at our home to come. This is what he's calling us to. Verse 12, right? He's calling us to holiness. He died to make us holy. How are you doing with that? How are you doing in the holy department? God is holy. He is perfect. He is right to judge. He is the only one that is right to judge, right? He is right to destroy anything unholy that comes into his presence. And so we have to be made holy in order to approach him. We don't just waltz in in the presence of God, right? We don't negotiate our way into a relationship with God. We don't put enough good things on the table to earn our way in there, right? No, we have to be made perfect to stand before God. And this is what Jesus accomplished. Jesus isn't just giving us a ticket to heaven. That's how we see it sometimes, right? He's changing us from sinful to holy. Oh, we'll still have the capacity to sin, right? We'll still do that. But our identity is in Christ. He's made a way that we don't have to do that, right? In Christ, we've been changed in Christ, we've received the righteousness of God. And we have been made holy in him. When we, when we come to God, and that's a place where we're all going, right? We're going to realize in an instant, there is no fast talking that's going to happen when we stand before the king, right? Some of us, I, I think of myself, I'm pretty good at talking fast at getting myself out of a jam, right? Some of you might be really good at that, but there will be none of that. None, right? That's not going to work when we stand before God. There's going to be no, let me explain, God, why I didn't do this, what you called me to do. That's not going to fly before the king of kings, right? This is why I didn't do that. No, no, not going to happen, right? We're going to be on our knees, 
we're going to realize in an instant that if it were not for the blood of Christ, we would have no hope before him. There ain't no credit going to be put on the counter. There ain't no excuse that's going to fly before him. What is he calling you to do right now? What is he calling you to lay down on the altar and worship? Listen, when you face him, there ain't no excuse that's going to fly in his presence to what he's calling you to do. Well, that person really angered me, and I really just am having trouble getting over that. No. Ain't going to fly. Ain't going to work, right? There will just be 100% realization that we did nothing to receive righteousness, but that only came through the blood of Jesus Christ, and that's how we're saved. When that understanding gets down deep inside of us, that's when we become gospel people. Gospel people, right? When we truly understand we aren't good, like people think they're good, I know I'm not good. I know there is no hope for me in claiming to be good, right? I can compare myself to somebody else and think I'm good compared to them, but when I compare myself to the perfect God of the universe, to the perfect Son of God, then it's just filthiness, right? And it ain't going to fly. When you get that, when you realize it's all dependent on him, that's the place where you start to worship. I've noticed gospel people worship differently. People who get that worship differently. What he did hits harder when you realize you're not good. When you realize you have no hope in being good. Right When you get that. Hebrews 10, 14, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect. Do you believe that? He has made perfect perfect forever those who are being made holy. What did it take? A sacrifice. Right? All worship involves sacrifice. Through his sacrifice, he made us perfect because of his righteousness, not because of us, right? Made us perfect forever. And yet, at the same time, this is where that that thing is hard to understand, at the same time, he's making us holy. We're growing, right? We're perfect because we're in him and we get his righteousness. That's what God sees, right? But at the same time, when we're in him, we're called to grow and we're growing and we're going we're gonna to fall down sometimes, right? But we're going to pick ourselves up and stay in him and he's helping us be made holy. It starts at the mercy seat. We get the mercy seat at the cross, right? There we were made righteous in him. There we were adopted. There we were born again. There we were given the the Holy Spirit. There we were given gifts of the Holy Spirit, right, to be used for God. There we were given purpose. There we were given truth. There we were given hope. There we were given joy. And all those things are forever been given to us, right? That realization is the path that we worship God with. It's response to all these gifts that he's given us that we worship God with. So what kind of gift are you going to bring? What kind of gift are you bringing to him right now? Back to Hebrews 13. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. There's something we can bring, right? The fruit of lips that openly profess his name is in in the presence of other people, right? We glorify him. We praise him. This is my Jesus, right? And we tell people what he's done in our lives. We tell people how he's flipped our lives upside down. We tell them how he's given us a new purpose, a new calling, how he's there with us, even in the storms, right? We testify to his goodness continually, even in the storm, because we have faith. We have hope that this isn't it. If my life should end right now, if everything should be taken away from me right now, I still have a hope that rests in him for what's to come, right? Verse 16, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. 
For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Isn't that cool? Right? We can please God. Don't forget to do good. Who doesn't want to do that? Don't forget to share with other people. We're approaching the season where it's all about sharing and giving, right? It sounds like giving gifts to people and helping people with their needs, yes, but it's, it's more than that. It's about living in a community of generosity, right? It's about coming together and helping people. Man, I hope we get an opportunity to help that young lady who's living in their car. We could do that, right? We can do good. We need to live in a community where, where we understand, we know what the needs are of the people in it and meet those needs, right? Whether it's through friendship, that's a great need that's out there that we all can meet regardless of money, right? You can be a friend to someone. Teens, you can be a friend to that person in your school that nobody else is. You can lift them up, right? Whether it's finances, whether it's just being understanding, whether it's just supporting and talk to somebody, right? We can live in this community and be generous in that community. Hebrews 13, 16, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Man, I don't just want to go through the motions and focus in on myself and miss all the needs that are around me, all the people that are around me that need some time, need some friendship, need some help, right? I want to be aware of those things. I want people in here to make all of us in here aware of those things, right? You might not be able to meet that need that you find out about, but collectively, we can. So what needs are around you? Or are you just focused in on yourself and going through that, right? Man, I just wish I knew what God wanted of me. Well, here's what he wants of you. All worship is sacrifice, right? A sacrifice of praise. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people what he's done to your life, right? Even if they think you're weird, they're going to think you're weird. It's just going to happen. Embrace it. That's great. I know you, say it. I know you think I'm crazy, but let me tell you about this Jesus, right? Who cares? And do good. Share with others. Sacrifice your time and resource. This is what we're called to do, right? Notice that the sacrifice of lips that are openly professing his name are tied to doing good things for people and sharing resources with people. It's got to be a combination. When you share, when we get an opportunity to share, tell them why you're sharing. Hey, Jesus changed my life. That's why I'm doing this, right? Don't just tell people, hey, God bless you. Good luck with that thing, right? It can't just be saying those things. We've got to come alongside and literally and figuratively or whatever that word is, help them out. Here's the scary thing. Amos 5, 21 through 23. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. I hope our, our religious festival gatherings are not a stench to him, right? Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, they're bringing an offering, right? I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, they're bringing the good stuff, right? I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. First of all, he's listening, right, to our music. But there are some instances where he ignores it. So that needs, to, that needs to cause us some concern, right? That's pretty strong. We can bring something to God, but it can be something that he says, don't bother. Why? What's going on here? Right? What did he want? Verse 24, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Bring him that. Are you bringing him that? Don't bother bringing anything else unless you're bringing that too because he won't accept it. We can't just bring gifts if we're not living how we should, if we're not living righteous, right? It it's, doesn't mean anything. 
You can bring them the best, but if you're just going out of here doing what you want to do and focusing and not bowing down, not bowing down in worship and surrendering your will to his will, right? It's for nothing. You might as well hold on to your money. You might as well hold on to your time, right? No pastor's going to tell you that in church, but I'm telling you that. Save your offerings. If you're not living how you should, if you're not for justice, right? He's not going to accept it. And that's the only reason that you should be giving. It's because you want to honor him and worship him, right? He doesn't just want us to show up, my friends. He doesn't just want us to gather, assemble, bring him some songs of praise, right? Gosh, he says, away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps. Are we going to roll up our sleeves and bring justice? Are we going to act how we should be acting to the best of our ability, God-given ability, right? Are we going to bring righteousness with us and offer it? If not, don't bother. We can't be deceitful and think that it's okay what we bring to him. God despises that, hates that, hates that, right? Be careful. Let's examine our lives and what goes with our our lip service. Yeah, I'm a follower of Christ, right? I love Jesus, but I'm just going to go out and do my thing and not bow down to him. And just live the way I want to live. Oh, careful with that, right? Here's what he wants. Psalm 51, 17. My sacrifice, there's that word again, oh God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. A broken and contrite heart. And that's just another name for a soft heart. A heart that's open to God. Not a hard heart, not a proud heart, not an indifferent heart that won't bow to him. It's a heart that's literally bowing down, living righteously, right? Here's my heart, God. Here it is. You change it. I know it's not perfect, but here's all of it. Flaws and all. I hope we can get this. And I, and I struggled with how to communicate this, but... All is better than just the good parts. You know what I'm saying there? All is better than just the good parts, right? Bring your brokenness and lay it on the altar. Bring your failures and lay it on the altar and say, Lord, you got to do it. Because that's the place where things die. You got something you're struggling with? Lay it on the altar because that's where things die, right? Bring it all. Here I am, Lord. Flawed as I am, here I am, and I want to serve you. I want to live for you, and I need you to change me because I'm really struggling. I'm really falling down in this area, but here I am, Lord. You do with me what you want, and I'll live for you the best I can. You got to make me holy, right? We don't make ourselves holy. He makes us holy, but that only happens if we have a heart that's bowed down to him, a heart that's surrendered to to him. That's the only place that that starts happening, right? This, my friends, is the sacrifice that God is looking for. You don't have to have a perfect voice. You don't have to have the perfect story, right? You don't have to pretend that you got it all together. I know you don't, because I know I don't, right? We just got to have a heart that bows, a heart that's soft, a heart that doesn't say no to whatever God calls us to. That's what we've got to be careful for. Let me, let me just end with four practical things. I'm going to fly through these things. I just want to help us get an image of what these things look like. Four, four things that we can bring and place at the altar as a sacrifice. Number one, bring me and mine and place that on an altar. The altar is a place where things die, right? Me and mine has to die and become you and yours. It's not about me. It's about you. And what you're calling me to do. This isn't my stuff. This stuff is things that have been given to me from you. And it's yours. And I'm going to do with it as you want done. Right? God, my tendency is me. My tendency is mine. We're all built that way. We're all built to be selfish people. Right? But today, because of the cross, I realize that. I realize I'm a selfish person. And I want to lay that down at your feet. I want this to just be about you, Lord. I really realize there is no me in this story. It's all you. There's only you and yours. So my sacrifice today is to humble myself and to lay me and mine 
and say, all I have is yours, in whatever way that means. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for Christ's love compels us. Why do we do this? Because Christ's love compels us to, because we are convinced that one died for all. He, he died for all, right? And therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live, listen to this, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. The love of Christ is what compels us. That's what does, right? The love of Christ. He, he laid everything down. Man, I want to live in response to that. We're convinced that one died for all. It started with him. All worship involves sacrifice, his sacrifice, right? That was what he was willing to bring. Do you remember in the garden when he said, Father, take this cup, but not my will, right? He laid down his will for the joy set before him, for the joy of you and me coming to know us, us being in relationship with him. For Christ's love compels us but we are, because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. All died. The story of me and mine ends at the cross. Not just for Jesus, right? Not just him laying it down. It's for us to lay down as well. The second sacrifice we can bring is our gifts and our time. You have gifts. You have things that you're really good at, right? You're talented people. You've been given a spiritual gift to help build the church. What is your spiritual gift? What is that gift that doesn't come from your talent, but only comes from God? Do you know what that is? Do you know what you're called to do with it? Right? Lay your gifts on the altar. What does that mean? It means that you do those things and give... God to glory through them, right? You're really good at this. You're maybe really good at sports. You point to God through those sports. You point to him as the reason behind that. God, God gave me this ability, right? And I just want to give him praise through that. Your attitude when you're losing, right, should be one that honors God and points to him even in the losses. You should give him a sacrifice of praise. You, you tell other people about him, even if you look a little weird. Lord, you made me really good with computers. I'm going to worship you somehow through that, right? In, in other words, I'm not going to do things with computers that I shouldn't be doing. I'm not going to do anything that's not in the realm of justice, right? Or, or not good, right? Unethical. I'm going to point to you, though, through everything that I do. I love hearing about realtors who pray with people when they're closing houses with them. Right? That's it. What are you good at? Point to him at it through it, right? Third sacrifice I believe that we can give God today is our goods and our goals. Are your goals tied to the kingdom or your house, right? If your goals are your kingdom, your goods will primarily go to that kingdom. Lay that on the altar though, right? Let it die and shift to God's kingdom. Build that. Some of you are probably putting a lot of money into your house, a.k.a. your kingdom. But what are you investing in the eternal? Right? What's going to last? Are we willing to be honest and put our goals on our wants on the altar? Lord, uh, this is what I'm aiming for. You can have goals like that. You can aim for those things, right? This is what I'm aiming for. This is what I'm dreaming about. You can come before him and tell them that. This is just being honest, right? This is the scenario, Lord, that I'm hoping for. But here's what it is. If it's not of you, I don't want it. If you're going to bless it, great, praise God. Make it blow up, great, praise God. But if you want to come down, send fire from heaven, and burn my eye goal up in smoke, so be it. Because it's all going to be about you and what you're about, right? I will gladly lay it down. I will gladly bow my heart. I will gladly put my faith and my trust in you because I just want to count in this world. I just want to build your kingdom in this world, right? Side note, I wouldn't be surprised if you did this, if you got back twice whatever you give, twice whatever you lay down at that altar. I'm not a health and wealth preacher, right? But that's just how it works. And I saw that when we were building this church, right? I've never made a sacrifice for God. I, I don't think I've ever made a sacrifice for God, period. Because I always get back far more than whatever I lay down. It might be a temporary sacrifice, right? But I always get back far more. I've never regretted anything I've laid down on the altar. Never. 
Last thing I want to challenge us us is to lay down our highs and lows. Very few people worship God on the mountain, and a lot of people don't worship God in the valley. We don't worship God on the mountain because we're, everything's great, right? We really don't need him. And we don't worship him in the valleys because a lot of times we think he's responsible for it. He's the reason that we're in that valley, and we kind of blame him for that. But I think one of the most beautiful sacrifices of praise comes in the valley, comes in the pain, when you can still worship him regardless because your hope is in him no matter what's happening, right? You can say, Lord, I'm crushed, I'm hurt, I'm wounded, I'm confused, I feel broken, I am in mourning, I'm in grief, but in it all, I recognize that you're next to me. In it all, I recognize that you have a plan for my life, and I just want my life to point to you, even in that. Laying your pain on the altar in faith, right? That's trust in him. That's that's one of the most beautiful things you can do. It will cost you a lot, right? But it also mean a lot. Then on the mountaintops, to stand up there, right, and just say, hey, wait a minute, wait, 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 right? Here I am on this mountaintop. Let me not forget how I got here. Let me not forget the one who gave me the talent and the resources to get here. Lord, I just want to stop and give you praise and lay this thing at the altar. I just want to point to you with it. That's a great place as well, to give him praise, right? No matter where you're at, right? Put it on the altar. Lay it down before him. Would you stand with me? My friends, let's be people of worship. Let's be people who think about the gifts that we're giving him. Listen, I I don't want to say this too much, but if you're just going through the motions and just giving him leftovers or giving him things that don't cost much or, or not bowing down in your heart, just stop, right? Keep your money because it's not going to honor him. He's not going to accept it, right? But give him what he's due. Make sure your life matches up with what you're doing. Whatever he's calling you right now to do, whatever he's calling you right now to lay down at the altar in your heart, an attitude, a thought, this is me and mine, these are my things and not yours. I don't know what it is, right? But if you want to worship him, start there. And lay whatever that thing is down. And come and praise him. Right? Don't make praise and worship time just about singing. It's great. It's part of it. Right? But make sure it's about bowing down your heart. Make sure it's about realizing who he is, what he's done for you on that cross, and living in response to that. Response that gives him the glory and the praise, right? And whatever that may be. Don't don't bring something that doesn't cost nothing, right? What's your gift today? Would you pray about that before we leave? What is your gift today that you're going to lay down on the altar? What do you want to bring the King of kings, the Lord of lords? What do you want to bring the one who laid down his life for you? What's worthy of that, right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we know Christmas is coming up. And Father, for far too many of us, far too many times in my life, I haven't really focused in on what I should have been focusing on. Lord, would you help us this Christmas to remember the amazing gift that we've been giving, the life-changing gift that we've been giving? And Lord, would you help us to live in response to that? Lord, don't let us be people that are just about lip service but don't have a life that backs it up. Don't let us be people that just bring uh, the excess, the stuff we don't need, and throw it down on the altar and think that we're giving you honor and glory. Father, help us to be people that sacrifice 
Help us to be people that lay down whatever is the greatest thing in our life, Lord. Whatever we're looking to as the greatest thing, Lord, help us to be people that lay that down on the altar and instead worship you. Father, we, we want to give you honor and glory. We want to be real. We want to be genuine, Lord. Father, I pray if there's somebody in here who's just feeling like garbage because maybe something that they're, they're, they're struggling with, Lord, would you help them to lay that down at the altar? Would you help them to embrace the freedom and grace that comes from knowing you? Lord, would you take whatever that thing is away? Would you help whatever needs to to die today to die, Lord? We know that one died for all, and we're called to die in response. Would you help us to count the cost, either embrace that or reject that, Lord? Father, soften our hearts so that we can respond. Lord, we love you, and we give you all honor and praise. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.